Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What up, Fightful fam? Welcome to One Two Punch. Player one, Shaquille Madjoy. Player two, Mean Shaheen Alshadi of The Athletic. How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful. I like that. I like that little addition you sprinkled in there. I appreciate it. I've been trying. I like the I like the rhyme scheme. I felt like your name didn't need any more alliteration than it already has. And uh, clearly the meanest guy in MMA media. So. Oh, wow. OK, I'll take that. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever been called that. But I like that. I'll take that title. I'll hold on to it. Well, Jim, how are you, sir? How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, I'm, I'm doing good, though. I'm excited for this uh, card tomorrow. Cool, cool. Um, yes, I will be trying to very briefly check my headset. Let's get into the rhythm of the show. We'll get all the rules down. If you're joining us again, thank you for being back. If you're a first-time listener, this is One Two Punch. We operate on a win-lose-draw system. That we that means we assign the week's biggest winners, losers, before drawing up a preview for UFC Fight Island 6. And winners, losers, it can be anything. It just really means whose stock went up and whose stock went down over the last week. And without further ado, I will hit this animated intro. And we will get started. Fancy. Yeah, well, I try. One man operation here, but I think I'm getting the hang of it. All right, guys. <laughs> um, first things first. If you guys want to help the channel grow, little thing you can do for us, hit subscribe, tap the notification bell, leave a like on the video. It's a small gesture, but I can't express how much it does to help us grow. And most importantly, we've got a live chat. Please engage with us. Comments, questions, we'll get to it all. Um, it's a lot more fun for us when you guys engage. It's more fun for you, I hope. And if nothing else, it lets me know that the stream is operating fine and I'm not going to have to keep checking my headset like a paranoid weirdo over here. If you want to donate to the Super Chat today, you're feeling a little extra generous. Always appreciate that. It goes to help fund everything we do. But those are the rules, dude. Let's get right to it, Sean, um, with my biggest winner of the week i think it's been everyone the hype is starting to die down a bit but i still want to give joaquin buckley his shine was that the greatest ko in ufc history no no (laughs) that's ridiculous it wasn't but it it was damn good though man it was damn good and you don't want to take anything away from it uh that was one of those where you just know you're going to instantly within seconds you know that you're going to see that the rest of your life on every face of the pain montage every stupid highlight that gets put up on youtube that's going to be thrown up 
uh, for the rest of our lives. Like that is just an incredible, incredible feat of athleticism. Okay, so uh, let's then do a little. I know I didn't give any time to pre- prepare for this, but if you had to spitball, and people are going to kill us because we can't get to them all, but what are your top five best KOs in UFC history? Oh, man, you're going to make me do this on top of my head. Okay, all right, let's do this. Um, there's no right Well, okay, there's a couple right answers. But there, I mean, there's, there's no some right answers. right answer. So are you limiting this to just UFC? let's say yes just to not open the floodgates completely (laughs) okay so i mean i bisbing hendo jumps out immediately ufc 100 uh terry adam edson barboza the original Mm -hmm. anderson silva vitor belfort uh that's got to be up there um i holly home ronda rousey ronda rousey like that's got to be one of the Mm -hmm. standard bearers because for me like when you ask what's the greatest ko of all time in ufc history by the way is that some of that hot tea Yes, uh, Shaheen hates me. So today's beverage is hot tea. Uh, at this rate, you know, I always say this is my cross to bear on this show. Uh, by the end of it, you guys are going to make me a regular old English lady. Hey, I've never had a, a cup of coffee in my entire life. I hate coffee. I hate the smell of it. So this is the only way I can get my caffeine. I appreciate you taking this plunge with me. Love it. I'm just waiting um, for some ayahuasca. I told you that. Just kidding. Hey, I was on board. I was on board. <laughs> We get real weird with it. Uh, but no, I mean, Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey seems to me kind of like mm-hmm. one of the standard bears. And that's why when it, whenever the conversation goes to best anything of all time, submission, KO, whatever, for me, it has to have stakes, mm-hmm. right? Like the stakes are really imperative to making something the best. It has to have a championship on the line. Has to Something crazy has yeah. to be going on. It can't just be the prelims between two, like a UFC rookie and a dude who's a sophomore fighting for a second time on a random card that no one's ever going to remember like that. It's great. And I'm not trying, I'm absolutely not diminishing it, but that's the reason I think I can't get there with saying it's the best. That's fair. Now. Um, I, yeah, I think the most important thing is to distinguish like, what are your identifiers for the greatest KO? If you want to go strictly on technique and shock factor, you know, uh, you, you can either do it from the MMA purist side technically, or I kind of like to look at it as if you were to show clips of someone who had never heard of MMA or UFC, how would they rate these? Um, and So for me, I think the stakes are a secondary factor, uh, but I totally understand putting Ronda Holly home near the top. For me, I think my favorite is Yair Rodriguez versus Chan Sung Jung. See, there you go. That's one yeah. I didn't even remember. But that's right, another. so it, uh, I think that's the single craziest knockout I've ever seen in the UFC. Um, and then on top of just the sheer fascination of the technique you do have some of those things that you mentioned it was at 459 of round five it was a potential high stakes contender fight it was the main event of an anniversary card for the ufc so stuff like that definitely factors and i think you just have to decide what is your primary factor when you're voting by the way you mentioned that anniversary card i i had forgotten all about everything that they had done that night i went back and rewatched that fight recently ahead of tomorrow and dude, the graphics package package so cool. It's so cool. Like, why, why can't we just have that? Like, okay. let's just make that the regular. Like, it's so much better. This is a regular complaint uh, amongst, I think, UFC fans and the media. I think this is the one thing that even diehard Dana White fans aren't completely on board with. What is his deal with making everything look so bland and uniform? I understand wanting to get away from the WWE spectacle, the sort of pride Japanese style, but like. Let's just do once a month, like pay-per-views maybe. Yeah. Why, why can't Izzy ru- wa- dance on his way to the cage? Like, I, I, wouldn't I, it's want some weird old man energy fun. he's giving me. 
<laughs> you don't want guys having fun, man. You don't want people having fun. Then other people have fun. It's infectious. Nobody wants that. Yeah. It's, it is very silly though, right? Because it is, everything is so inherently neutered in the UFC and everything is just so similar. Like everything is the same. You could show, I could, other than that card, that zombie Yair card, you could show me any card of the last like four or five years and we wouldn't be able to place when it happened other than like the ages of the guys and things like that like it's all so uniform it sucks i mean i i grew up in you know watching pride and and all these crazy spectacles even like elite xc and all these other just ridiculous promotions that were trying to make it a spectacle that's kind of like how i came up in this Mm -hmm. game and so to now see what it is uh yeah i mean that aspect of it definitely is lacking I do understand, like, you you, uh, you know, the UFC wants to present itself as a more mainstream, legitimate sport. I just think <laughs> Mike Stanford from Amazon is going to be the end of me. I, I swear this microphone will be broken by TV. the end of this. Yeah, it's time to get a more expensive one. Maybe one of those arms that everyone's got. Um, but I just think there's more of a middle ground. Like, y- you know, the UFC keeps telling fighters that they need to promote themselves and market themselves and be superstars. And then you turn around and say, Izzy, don't But not dance. too much. But not, not too much, much, right? So I'm sure there's a middle ground. I just wish they're a little bit more lax about the whole situation. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to this live chat real quick. Scott, Joseph, regular listeners, thank you guys for tuning in as always. Um, let's go to Joseph. He says, Dana had a scrum after the weigh-ins for Ortega versus Korean Zombie. Thoughts on what he said, uh, nixing AT&T Stadium for Dustin versus Connor too, not committing, com- uh, not committing to when Volkanovski fights again. Let's go to Connor Dustin too. Why do you think it is that Dana White is already scrapping the idea of January 23rd, Arlington, Texas, AT&T Stadium for Connor versus Dustin? So I haven't had a chance to watch that scrum yet. Was that did he scrap it or did he just say that's uh, not? I I only saw the headline. Sorry, Joseph. It's been a crazy morning. Um, but it, it, maybe Joseph can chime in and let us know the specifics. But from the tweets that I saw from our colleagues like Nick Baldwin, Aaron Bronstetter, uh, he just didn't. He seemed to kind of throw cold water on it. He wasn't interested in that idea for whatever reason. I'm not sure if he elaborated. Yeah, I mean that's not surprising. I think the UFC's been the UFC has been dancing that dance with Cowboy Stadium for a long time. And I don't know that in the middle of a pandemic is going to be the time that the Mm -hmm. the dam finally breaks for that. Um, But I mean, it does seem like that fight's probably going to happen on on January, uh, I believe, what is it? 23rd, something like that. Um, Which, I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a fight, man. That's a hell of a, it's much better than Donald Cerrone than what we got this year. Yeah. I'm super stoked on it. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the pandemic because the theory, orig- not not enough to get this like suppressed by YouTube's algorithm, but I, one of the things that a lot of people were saying why Dana White might insist on a 2021 event is because of the possibility of a live gate. That's arguably the most effective way to cash in on Conor McGregor. If, you know, Texas is accepting 50% capacity, they have a stadium that can hold upwards of 105,000 people. Uh, why do you think it is the UFC might be hesitant to partially fill out the arena, even maybe at 25% capacity? I mean, all of this is very early, so I yeah. can't say anything too much on that front. Um, I, I found, I think I found it more interesting, the idea that they wouldn't let him come back in 2020 in general. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I mean, obviously a lot of this is just like reading the tea leaves and just sort of guessing, right? Because we don't, know the intricacies of a lot of this nice uh but to me it really felt like it's just one of these things where i think for wasn't the last time connor fought on a card with another ufc champion who gets pay-per-view points yeah it was like four years ago maybe 
probably like every single Connor car that you can think of in the last several years, he's been alone by mm-hmm. himself just to, to not be able to share that revenue. And that's what this felt like to me. Yeah. Is that just, we already, they already had these cards planned out where they had these title fights. They have Davidson Figueredo out there. You have Amanda Nunes, Valentina Shevchenko. I don't think the UFC wanted them to get a share of that pay-per-view revenue. I, I think that's a very fair statement. Uh, I think Luke Thomas echoed the same thing on Morning Combat earlier this week, that you know, if you imagine that all champions get a percentage of the pay-per-view earnings, now you put Conor McGregor on a card, you're looking at split, especially that December 16th or December, is it December yeah. 12th, UFC 256? 12th, I think. Right? Yeah, if you're looking at Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson, Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling, and then you put Conor Dustin on top of that, you're looking at at least four fighters that five times it's yeah. five times the pay-per-view sales at that exactly point. and you're gonna have to split that amongst two three x times as many fighters as you probably would want to so i think that's probably a fair assessment of the situation um we wouldn't you... want too many people making too much money yeah uh <laughs> god forbid we yeah we will do you do you think there will ever be a time where ufc fighters get 50 percent? no no, man, I'll tell you what, like I, I used to be optimistic about this and I used to really like be banging the drum on this. A couple of years back, you would find me just every, every I, w- I was writing a thousand articles about uh, the PFA and all of the, the MMA, AAAA, whatever that weird one with Bjorn Rebney was. Doing the anonymous fighter survey that we did over at The Athletic mm-hmm. earlier this year, I think around June. My favorite piece of writing that's coming out of MMA in the last ever oh thank you thank you man that was a total team effort that thing took months and months i think we interviewed like 200 to 300 fighters at 200 close to um doing that anonymous survey was illuminating for me um i don't think that there is any chance in hell that this will ever happen where these guys will get together and and fight for this i mean you talk to you talk to because i think i don't know how many i interviewed for that but it was a lot and you you talk to people even behind the scenes where they know their name's not going to be tied to it or anything. And they just don't care, man. It's just Mm -hmm. like one of the questions was, do you support a union or a fighter's union in the UFC or MMA? And I think half of my respondents were just like, Oh, absolutely not. Like instantly. And it's just like, do you actually understand the question of what I'm asking you? Like, I don't think you understand how much that would help you. Uh, But everybody's just in it for themselves, man. Everybody thinks they're going to be, Conor McGregor. Everybody thinks they're going to be Habib Nurmagomedov making the big bucks, and unfortunately, only one percent of one percent get to do that. Yeah, and I, I don't think it'll ever come to. I have a weird feeling that you know, once they, once Israel Adesanya hits retirement, he's the kind of guy that would champion for that. I think he understands his own potential, but I don't think Izzy's the kind of guy to be enamored with this idea that him and UFC are on the same team. I think he maneuvers this game well. I, I, I'd like to see him speak out more towards the end of his run. Um, really? He strikes me as someone who, once he's done, he's gone. Like, he's just not... Yeah, be- I don't know. I don't know. He, he just seems like a, a guy who's willing to stand up for what he believes in, so... Oh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But I, I also totally agree with the idea that once he's gone, he's not going to be coming back for one-off fights, etc., uh, that he sees his potential outside of the fight game for sure. Uh, and very quickly, Scott says, in the great words of Conor McGregor from the Eddie Alvarez press conference, sorry I'm late, but I just don't give a fuck. Scott, we're just happy that you're here, good sir. Diving is not everything. Um, all right, are there any other winners that you wanted to highlight since we've already gone to the losers, which is any fighter ever hoping to get a fair deal? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a winner and a loser. This is for this past week, right? Yeah, let's just go with winner for now, yeah. All right, so... My winner for this past week, 
Um, so I know we, and I'm using we in sort of the royal we, mm-hmm. maybe I should just say sort of the broader MMA audience. We tend to not care about context a lot of the times when we like just talk about fighter records or guys who like go on certain slumps uh, or anything like that in MMA. But I never actually understood what was going on with Edson Barboza last week, like the, mm-hmm. the narrative that was kind of shadowing him. And I mean, I get it. Like he wins one of six. That That's not a good sign. But if you actually looked closer at it, that might've been one of the most deceiving one in five stretches we have ever seen. I mean, here's those five losses, right? Two against the current champs, one against the guy who missed weight. And the other two were probably wins in most cases. Like you have to be historically mm-hmm. unlucky to come out on the wrong side of splits uh, against both Felder and Ige in those fights back to back. I thought Edson won of both of them. Um, so, that, so for me, he's a winner because... Nah, he's one in five. He's washed up. That was all BS. The eye test was telling us that he was still Edson Barboza and like maybe we, he lost a step, but he wasn't going out there and looking terrible. And, and we saw it against Makwan Amirkani. I thought he looked really good. Um, I thought he looks, he's looked surprisingly good at featherweight for me. He was fast. His gas tank held up and his powers like translated better than I expected. So I love this guy just being in the mix now at 145. Give me Shane Burgos or give me death. I want that fight. Oh, that's a tremendous fight. I think that's a really good fight. I think it makes sense, too, for where both guys are right now. Yeah. And shout out to Josh that. Emmett. I hope he comes back soon. Josh Emmett is one of a kind. So, uh, someone said that Josh Emmett is almost as tough as Tony Ferguson. No, Josh Emmett is as tough as Tony Ferguson. The way, the way he got his face smashed in by Jeremy Stevens was like a car wreck. I don't think a lot of fans understand how badly that guy was hurt after that Jeremy Stevens. Terribly. His, his eye was, wasn't his like eye out of his socket or something? Something like that. Like yeah. the bone was like making the eye like protrude out or something. Like it was, it was a bad, yeah. bad situation. And, uh, you know, if you, if you ever search Shaquille Madjuri, bloody elbow, Josh, uh, sorry, did I say Josh Thompson? I mean, Josh Emmett. Um, there are some incredible stories about his upbringing and the sort of life that he lived. It's, it's quite fascinating. You really see where his mental toughness comes from. And even before he was in the UFC, it took him forever. Mm-hmm. Like he was a, he was doing this for a long time before he was in the UFC. And uh, let me just give out my last winner and loser before we move on to the official losers. My Twitter mentions are going to be all sorts of chaos because I, I wrote an article this morning uh, from a snippet that Justin Gaethje did with Luke Thomas and Brian Campbell of Morning Combat. Uh, and Brian asked, you know, gun to your head, who do you think Ali Abdelaziz is rooting for? Habib or Justin? They're both dominance MMA clients, very tight-knit family over there. And Justin basically said, I'm here to ruin Habib's day, Dana White's day, Ali Abdelaziz's day, Daniel Cormier's day, Javier Mendez's day. Anyone who, uh, you know, is looking to benefit off of Justin Gaethje's expense, at Justin Gaethje's expense, he said, quote, fuck all of them. <laughs> And I already know I've had to go on like before I was late to send you the zoom link today because people are like, aren't they the same management? I was like, guys, I don't I know how the headline looks and there's a reason I wrote it like that. But I I don't think there's any real beef. And I can just see my like dominance goodwill being pulled out from beneath me. But, you know, Oh no! did you write some clickbait? Don't tell me you wrote some clickbait. It was a clickbait. It's Justin Gaethje says he's here to ruin Dana and Ali's day. Fuck them all. Those are his exact words. <laughs> I respect the attitude, man. I definitely understand where Justin's coming from. He is zeroed in. That's he, all it is. Not only is he zeroed in, like I've covered, I've had the pleasure of covering Justin Gaethje his entire career. Like he, he's an Arizona guy. I went to, I, I went to one of his Rage in the Cage fights. Like before mm-hmm. I even knew who Justin Gaethje was, I was at those fights. And the, the two fights he did against Luis Palomino here in Arizona were 
the wildest, maybe like top three of the wildest scenes that I've ever been involved with in MMA in my entire life. It was like an arena that held like a couple hundred and it felt like thousands of people because of just how many people he brought from Safford, Arizona and just the chaos of those fights. I love Justin Gaethje and I totally get where he's coming yeah. from because like Ali, like his manager is out here saying we have something planned for Habib exactly. after this fight. And that's, and he's not even doing it to be disrespectful, but it's just like, if I'm Justin, I definitely take that as some level of like, okay, so y'all are already like jumping me mm-hmm. in this. Like, I get that. I get where he's coming from. I completely agree. That's, that's all it really is too. Um, now let's, let me remind everyone, guys, please hit subscribe. Please tap the notification bell. It's just an excuse for me to use this animation because I like it so much. Uh, and of course, engage with us in the chat. Please let us know what you think. If you want to donate. Really, really appreciate that. We'll make sure to get to your comments and questions. Losers. And I always got to tell the losers, this isn't personal. No, it's no slight on you as individuals or entities. It's just not been a great week for you. No week is great for me. Uh, Marlon Rice, I think, came out like a real loser after UFC Fight Island 5. And I've heard some, you know, I put out a statement. I got some conflicting feedback from people. Let's not get it twisted. Marlon Moraes is still top, top level competition. However, he has had one of the most roller coaster rides I've seen in UFC history. He comes by, uh, you know, he comes from WSOF as a longtime champion there, loses his debut to Half Alison. So I always give champions from other organizations a pass in their first fight because they have to fight up to a new level of competition. We saw Eddie Alvarez lose in his debut. We saw Justin Gaethje. Eddie, yeah. yeah, we saw Justin Gaethje almost lose in his debut and then hit a rough stretch. So it takes time for these guys, I think, to sort of adjust to the caliber of UFC competition and rise above it. Marlon Rice, after that, a Sun Tzu loss, to his credit, goes on an incredible stretch, knocks out Aljamain Sterling, knocks out Jimmy Rivera, avenges the loss to a Sun Tzu. And finds himself in a bantamweight title fight against Henry Cejudo, one that he was winning before he lost. And then it all came crashing down. Loses to Cejudo, uh, loses a split decision to Jose Aldo, although I know a lot of people had Marais winning that fight. It didn't end up doing a whole lot for him. And now loses decisively to Corey Sandhagen. When is the last time someone has rattled so many wins up the division and then proceeded to skid down like this? Weidman? Sorry? Chris Weidman, Johnny Hendricks. Got a couple yeah, guys. All good examples. Yeah, yeah, man, it's been a rough stretch for him. And and uh I mean, I still think he's one of the top two, three, four, five bantamweights in the world. Like he's still right up there, but it's definitely been a rough stretch for him. Sorry for that. There is some construction happening outside. So I had to shut the window there. Uh yeah. Do you think Marlin bounces back from this? Is it is this him sort of on the downswing of his career or is this just you know switching to new camps needs time to adjust fighting high level opposition where do you see Marais kind of going from here no I mean I still like Marlon in general in that division I think he's got a lot left to to in front of him to go um I mean losing to Corey Sanhagen we might look back in a couple years and say that's not a bad loss at all right like that's this dude might be the next champ at some point so I think he's definitely got some time left in him okay and guys let us know in the comments on the live chat uh who do you think sort of have the biggest falls from grace in ufc history i'd like to know and let me get to my last loss before i move on to yours sean uh i am so tired listen i love trash talk i am a sucker for bottom of the barrel garbage trash 
pro wrestling esque trash talk. I am not above it. I like taquitos from 7 Eleven and I like the Jersey Shore for all the wrong reasons. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. But at some point, something has to come out of all the trash talk. And I don't know what is going on. I don't know what sort of bug has bitten everyone. But you got Israel Adesanya beefing with Chris Weidman. That's not happening anytime soon. You've got Israel Adesanya beefing with John Jones. Well, Izzy says. Never ending, by the way. I brought this up last week, and it's still it's going. Boring, man. It's real boring. It's boring, to me. right? And Izzy says he wants to clear out the middleweight division. John Jones says he's moving to heavyweight. So I don't know why we keep going in the circle. Hamza Chimaev is calling out everyone, n- none of whom actually want to fight him. Right. Hey, respect then, to Neil Magny. Respect, respect to Neil, Neil Magny. Magny. And Chris Weidman says he accepted it. I actually did a video for Combat Culture, and I said Weidman is one of the five guys I think would be a suitable matchup. Somewhere where Chimaev can get into the rankings against, you know, relative competition. So, you know, things are hopefully starting to materialize. But, like, Gilbert Burns is trashing everyone beneath him. Leon Edwards is complaining into the abyss for fights he's not going to get. Like, when are, when are we just going to see people fight? I'm, I'm, I want trash talk to be part of a storyline. And there's no story right now. I agree with you, man. I, I, it's been, I think people are just cooped up, right? Like, like there's nothing, there's still nothing else we can do. So I think there's definitely an element of that, but the Izzy Jones stuff to me is so just uninteresting right now because mm-hmm. we know it's not going to happen. Like it's, there's no way that's going to happen anytime soon. So it's just, I don't know. It does nothing for me because you're right. Usually I'm a sucker for this type of stuff, but that stuff just rings hollow. Every time I'm seeing those guys on my timeline. All right, I'm going I'm to have to start going after my media colleagues at this point just to keep things fresh and interesting. Um, <laughs> oh, I like that. Who are you calling out? Who are you going to beef with? Let's start it oh, right now. I mean, listen, I don't, I don't mean to hit a sore spot, but because The Man and the Myth was one of my favorite uh, podcasts and now you know Chuck is delaying his eventual appearance on this show, I want to do The Man and the Sith, me and you, bring you over to the dark side. Chuck oh Mendenhall, I'm calling you out. You're trying to turn me against my old partner. <laughs> I see this. Very WWS. We're talking like Cody Rhodes said DiBiase stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, Shaheen, what is your big loser of the week? Uh, okay. So I wasn't quite sure. And then I wake up this morning and now I have it. Um, you ever see, you ever watched The Princess Bride? Oh, I love The Princess Bride. I've seen it four or five times. Anything with you. You, you tell me Andre the Giant is in something. I'm, I'm hooked. Yeah. I got an Andre the Giant shirt, so I feel you. That is one of my all-time favorite movies. Like it's probably top two or three mm-hmm. most watched movie ever for me. Um, and there is a I think about it. 
there, there's a line in there where Carrie Ewell's main character says something to the effect of, um, I don't remember it exactly, but like there's a shortage of perfect breasts in the world. It'd be a pity to ruin yours. <laughs> where are we that going? Is, wait, wait, where are we going with this? Oh, wait, wait. That is exactly how I felt this morning waking up to the devastating news. There is a shortage of perfect hair in the world, Shaq. Lord knows I don't have it. And now we have Brian Ortega out here shaving off <laughs> these immaculate locks just to make weight. Like, okay. For, oh, hold on. Is that where you're going with this? Okay. That's where I'm going with this. That's where, don't worry. You're not going to get fired. No, uh, I like it. Credit to the guy for like being willing to do whatever it takes. But Shaq, I mean, you're talking to a guy who started going bald when he was 19. I remember going into a great mm. clips. Like I, I just graduated high school. I remember going into a great clips, just asking to get like a haircut. And the, the haircutter was like, Oh, you know, you're, you're going bald. And I was like 19 years old. And it was like one of the most scarring experiences of my life. And she was right. Uh, it is scarring to see perfect hair discarded so willy nilly like this. So for me, the loser is perfect hair throughout the world because today was a terrible, terrible day. Yeah. But Brian Ortega stepped to the stage and I wasn't sure if it was Rose Namajunas or James Vick. <laughs> or, it, looked, it looked weird or it, Shaheen it, it, ru- it ruined me i didn't know how to handle okay it. so you mentioned something there is this a theory of yours because I, I wrote that this conspiracy had been going around or do we have some sort of concrete evidence that brian ortega shaved his head to make weight i mean that's what it seems like right uh-huh it's kind of patchy like it's it's like yeah, it seemed job. like it did it real fast just to like try to like lose some pounds right like i think he came in at 146 Wow. Okay. I like. I hope we. I hope we get an answer to that. <laughs> if not, everything I just said. How, how long is it going to take him to grow that back? That's real commitment to the fight game, dude. Right? Like, I don't. I've never gotten my hair pat. Like when I had hair, I never was able to commit past the awkward length stage. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever like weird stage you get where it just looks bad no matter. What. I was never able to get past that. So like, I have no idea how long it takes to grow hair that's actually long. But it seems like it would take a long time. You you can rock the you can rock the shave head though. Look, I, I'm glad it hasn't hit me yet because I, I think I'd be a miserable mess without hair. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> I, uh, you, you gotta you can't fight it. You gotta just embrace no, it. No, Do you know what? What age? I, I hear it's like yeah, like if you hit like early, like you'll know by your early mid twenties. Like I've got a couple of friends. I, I don't tell them because I don't. I can't bear breaking the news to them. But I feel like their hair is thinning already. And they're like 25 or under. And I feel like I'm starting to see some bald spots. And just like one of those realities you kind of got to live with, right? How old are you? Uh, 25. I think you'll be okay. Okay, I've got a little bit of time. Yeah, well, I'll give myself a few years and I think I'll feel safe. Yeah, I think you got it. I think. You By the it. way, apparently it's a myth that uh, you're, you're, the men on your mom's side determine whether or not you're going to bald. Apparently it's just your whole family lineage. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you. I could tell you about that. When I last time I went over to Kuwait, I'm Kuwaiti. My whole family's Kuwaiti. Uh, so my brother, my older brother, he's eight years older than me. He has the fullest hair, head of hair you could ever possibly have. When we went over to Kuwait a couple of years ago, we were sitting in a room with a bunch of uncles and cousins and, and just men in general. And it was two couches. It was like one of those L couches, you know. And so on on one side, I was on this side and the, everybody on this side was bald. And then my brother was on this side and everybody on this side had full <laughs> locks of hair. And so it just like skips, it skips. It's yeah. one guy's going to get it, one's not. One guy's going to get it, one's not. It's terrible. I hate it. Hey, well, again, you're, you're, you're looking good with it. So, you know, better you than me, I'm going to say, because I truly do fear for, I got, I got like a, I got a big caveman brow going on here. So I feel like I need hair to distract from the situation. 
Oh no, you you'd be fine. Okay. Join the dark side, man. Join the dark side. Yep. Donate. Donate side. over to here. Yeah, I'll, shout I'll out to hair. shout out to Brian Ortega for donating the hair though. Uh, I just want to go to one SSS in the chat very quickly. Great work, Shaq. Been recommended videos with you in combat culture. Check out combat culture, guys. We're nearing a hundred thousand subscribers there. Case Hearts does great work. A lot of breakdowns, fun videos over there. Uh, and thank you for the compliment. You know, it's a, it's a work in progress, but I, I've been feeling the love lately. So that's always uh, both rewarding and a reminder that, you know, baby steps in the right direction. So, Shane, as we hit the final stretch of this, because I'm obsessed, I'm going to hit the subscribe animation one more time. Reminder, guys, engage in the really chat. I'm really curious to see what this animation is. It's, it's really... I'm just... I. I don't know how to use After Effects, so anytime our graphics team sends me something, I'm just thrilled. It's so minor. It's just like a little lower third. It's a subscribe. It's really nothing fancy. Um, and yeah, if you guys care to donate to the Super Chat, again, that really, really does a long way. And I feel loved and appreciated, so that's great, too. Uh, and actually, one SS wants to ask really quickly, what happened to San Diego Ponzinibbio? I really want to know that, too. He has not fought in the ESPN era. That was one of the guys that I was earmarking as a potential future champion. What is going on with Ponzinibbio? I think he had a really bad injury, right? Yeah. I can't keep track anymore. There was a while I think he just couldn't get a fight, and then he might have gotten injured on top of it. The knowledge has left my brain, but I remember being asked this like a couple months ago, and yeah, he had like a really terrible injury a bit ago, and so I think he was recovering from it. I actually, he, at some point recently, he said he wanted to fight again this year, but it probably doesn't seem like it's happening. So okay, I would well, assume early 2021. I hope he can come back, you know, healthy and improved, because if, if Santiago never gets the chance to kind of like fulfill his potential, it's going to be a real shame, because I, I think the world of his abilities uh okay ufc also, fight the weird yeah. also real quick one of the weirdest last names to try to spell out as a writer like, i think he once tweeted about this maybe i don't know it's <laughs> one of those it's just like two z's and like b's and p's like i don't know yeah. it's really, really i still don't know how to spell Yohanna's last name no amount of practice Dude. has helped me i copy paste like i'm four years i'm four years deep into this and i still copy paste i can't i can't i can't spell a million enco like i, I just spell a million enco I have like blocks with certain guys where I just yeah. can't spell the it names. It happens, dude. It happens. Try not to pronounce them. Uh, okay. Last up, UFC Fight Island 6 preview. Let's do this. Uh, I had a couple questions. I think I have to review them. But first and foremost, uh, is Brian, uh, on paper, we never know what's going to happen on fight night, but on paper, is Brian Ortega versus Court Korean Zombie the best fight of the year candidate that we've got? I think so. What do you, so what do you mean by this? Like if, so if, if someone gave you all the, all the main events from January of 2020 to the end of 2020, would Brian Ortega versus Korean Zombie stick out as the absolute barn burner of all barn burners? I know that's a lot of fights to think of off the top of so your head. Going, go, we're going under that under the guise that I don't know what happened exactly. in the fights previous. No, I mean Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson. Or not, not, not that. Uh, Dan Hooker? Justin Gaethje. Justin right. Gaethje. Tony Ferguson. Okay. That, to me, would have been the one I would have highlighted. Like, okay, that's probably it. Okay. I think that's fair. What about, what, what, what about the fights that are remaining this year? The main events that remain from now through December I mean, next, next week Habib is really good. That, that's really, really Ooh. good, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mark for Justin, so like, it's I hard for I've, not... been, I've been saying for three years now that Justin Gaethje is the guy to beat Habib. And people used to laugh at me. People used to laugh me out of the room. That's my claim to fame. I'm no fight analyst. I always get it wrong. Well, that's my claim to fame. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll be able to show him next week. I hope so. I hope so. Um, I would argue if you took all stakes out of it, I guess in terms of skill set and 
all the things that are intriguing about Habib versus Justin, probably that. But if I was just to go casual has never watched MMA, what's going to be the most exciting fight for the remainder of the year? I, I think it could be Ortega it's Zombie. It's up there for sure. Yeah. It's probably the best non-title fight yeah. of the, the year left. I was talking to Vicente Luque about it, and he described it as, it, it, it's not one zombie, it's two zombies. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's good, yeah. Yeah, so I really stuck with that one. Um, These Fight Island cards have been a little bit barren lately, just because you know the UFC's putting on events week to week to week to week. Really good, for the most part, really good headliners, so I'll give them that. But beyond that, it's been a little lackluster. Uh, is there any fight or fighter co-main and down that you think people should keep an eye out for this weekend? Oh, okay. Um, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I probably, if you asked me a couple of days ago, I would have said Cyril Gane. Uh, but apparently we can't have too many good things in our life mm-hmm. in MMA. So that fight's gone. Um, so for plan Bs, I mean, to me, two things stick out. And I guess maybe one of them isn't under the radar because she used to be a champion, but divisional changes for both Jessica Andrade and mm-hmm. Thomas Almeida. I'm really interested to see how both of those go, especially Jessica. Like, I think she's like five one, and Chukagian is like five nine or something like that. Like, the actual size of her compared to her opponent is very—it's uh, off. It's interesting. Uh, but Thomas Almeida, man, that's probably the under under the radar one. It's been two years, over two years, since we last saw this guy, and I think new fans probably don't actually know much about him or, or like remember much about him. But like, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about Thomas Almeida as the guy, like the next big thing. Um, him and him and Cody Garbrandt were really like supposed to be those like new leaders of the Vanguard for that, like next generation of bantamweights. And I remember actually you'd mentioned man in the myth. I remember back in the summer when there was like nothing going on and we were trying to figure out just content. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Chuck did like a rewatch of UFC 189, which mm-hmm. to me is still the best pay-per-view in the history of the sport. And Thomas Almeida has a monster monster forgotten gem on there against brad pickett it's just one of the stickest flying knee ko's you'll see and so i am here for the return of this guy i'm really excited to see what he does at featherweight shout out to brad pickett i just uh did a series of interviews with him for our we have have a new series over at fightful where we got fighters to tell fun crazy interesting stories we throw them to compilations and brad pickett is one hell of a storyteller that guy is a dude i'm sure he has monster stories man incredible so keep an eye out for those over at fightful guys uh I want to give a quick shout out to James Krause. Yes. What a stud, man. The way that guy turns around on, like, he had a couple weeks notice for this one, but how, what was the turnaround for the Trevin Giles fight? Like, did he accept it the same day? I think it was like 24 hours, right? 24 like, hours. It- Insane. Um, so James Krause is an absolute player. He's always game. Uh, and I think I have a hunch that over the next couple decades he's gonna emerge as one of the better coaches in mma like, i think at his age he's already showing a lot of potential he's not even doing it full-time technically yeah i was so, gonna say he's already kind of there like yeah. he's, he's doing it so i'm very excited to see uh, him and i think i had one more but it's escaping right now so we'll leave it at that last thing and i hate to be a bummer uh, are you starting to feel especially as people in the media we got to cover this week to week are you feeling any amount of lethargy about fights every single week for at least the entire second half of 2020 always good to end on some negativity oh i'm actually um, there's one more segment after this real quick that i didn't warn you about either so we'll end oh, on a good note all right but pop quiz i like this. Yeah. um yeah a little bit i think a little bit um the cards have actually been they've been lacking in before like the, the beforehand mm-hmm. aspect has been lacking right like you look at a lot of these cards and it's like oh wow that's 
that's a really terrible card. That's like a, a regional card outside of like maybe a fight or two. But I mean, they've been pretty good in execution, actually. Like last week was super fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think there you probably count at least five of those type of cards over the last couple of months where it's like you go in not really having high expectations and then it's just a really entertaining night. But overall, yeah. I mean, I think when's the last time we had no fight? I don't remember. I, I, I honestly my don't wife, remember. My wife this morning was asking me, she has to like use the rest of her PTO mm-hmm. and like paid time off. So she was like, what weekend do you not have a fight? And I was looking at the schedule as the first time I looked at the schedule a bit that we don't have a weekend without a fight for the rest of the year until Christmas. Like yep. that's, so yeah, I definitely feel you, man. I mean, we don't, we're not uh it's every week thing and, and it, sometimes there's not a lot to get excited about. So I definitely do feel you. Yeah. My uh, managing editor, Sean Ross Sapp, he, every Saturday at the end of the event, he puts out a tweet thanking me for doing this while he lays back and enjoys an evening off with his wife. So shout out to Sean. Um, yeah, I will say, I think I, I, my predominant theory as to why the fights have been so exciting lately is, like you said, regional-esque fights. Regional fights slap. Oh, They're totally. so exciting. The, you know, the defense is down and the offense is up, and I, I've enjoyed that aspect of the UFC pulling out lots of prospects and these short turnarounds produce really exciting content on fight night. Uh, last thing, and this is what I did not warn you. For, I, for some reason, I never remember to warn anyone about this, but I kind of like it. Um, I'm like going to flip a coin. The word warning. I like the using the word warning. It's putting me on edge. Yeah, well, I'm on I'm on Pacific time here, so my my days usually start at 6 a.m. Oh no, I said warning. Oh, like, warning, like, warning. Yeah, yeah, and it's not a real big deal. Me. Basically, what we're gonna do, I do this with all uh, my fellow colleagues. I'm gonna flip a coin. You're just gonna have to trust me that I'm being honest. Uh, a loser has to tell an embarrassing story about themselves, preferably one related to the industry. It doesn't have to be your best story is your best story. So, and I have to believe that you're. I'll, I mean, it's, it's an honor. I'll show them. you. All right. You... Uh, I have no idea what I would say right okay, now. Okay, so... well, take us. I know this is why I should give people a heads up so they can plan. Yeah, I feel like I get better stories out of it, wouldn't I? Um, this is mostly a gift for those who have stuck with us until the end. And yes, Henry HRC Chalal, he's he, he's he's uh, he's shitting on the uh, low active count. Let me just say, revamp channel, new show. Give it time to grow. Appreciate you checking us out. And I always forget to give a shout out to our podcast listeners. That makes up. I was shocked when I got over at Fightful. There's a dedicated Fightful audience that downloads all the podcasts. So thank you guys so much for everything you do. You know, I was so focused on the live stream. I always forget about the uh, commitment to the audio side. So thank you guys all for tuning in. I'm going to flip this coin. Give you a second to figure out your story. You might get lucky, but I'll let you call it. Do you want heads or tails? Am I calling it like in the air or are we just calling it right now? I, I've already flipped the coin, so you can call it. Uh, Tails. Do you have a good story? I don't have one right off the top of my head. I'm trying do you, to think. Do you, wanna, do you want me to give you a pass and do you want me to tell you to pick heads? Heads. Wow, what are the odds of that? Oh my God, who right. could that coming? All right, this is what I've been holding on to for a few weeks, so I'll, I'll, I'll share right. it now. Let's sit back and enjoy. Yeah, uh, UFC 241, it was my second live event that i was covering that was in anaheim uh, miocic versus cormier too there was a grappling event uh, the night before the fights and i don't quite remember uh what it was called but it was kind of like a, a, met- a metamorph sort of deal right just like submission grappling on the mat or quint uh yeah actually no it was kind of like quintet they also had like a group 
grappling thing. And so Uriah Faber was there. Um, I think he might have been doing commentary or he might have just been a guest, but he was doing some press afterwards for the few of us that were willing to stay up that late. And uh, I knew he had a kid, but in the spur of the moment, I thought, you know, I know the kid has a great head of hair. I know he has a great head of hair. So it's a boy. It's definitely a boy. So middle of the interview, open up. First thing, Uriah, tell me about your son's head of hair. And he just looks at me and goes, my daughter? Oh, no. Credit to Uriah, though. First of all, I cut it out of the interview because I'm a schmuck. But, oh, you gotta leave that in. Nah, Come on. Yeah. I was I was so deeply embarrassed. Um, but I will let me just say this right now. If you've never met Uriah Faber, anyone out there, he is one of the nicest guys I have ever talked to. Not only was he so chill about that, because you know how people can be sometimes. Like as silly of a mistake as it is, some people can get annoyed, especially when me as a journalist, I didn't have my facts straight. Not only was he super understanding and kind, he gave me a great interview. He always answers my texts. He hooks me up with other fighters when I ask him to. He is a gem. He is an absolute gem. He doesn't need to be, so shout out to your eye favor. But yeah, I totally mislabeled his uh, child sex on the air. And that was the opener for the interview? That was the first thing I said to him. <laughs> oh, that's a great tone setter. That is a great, great tone setter. Uh, since we got a minute, I'll also recap my favorite one. Uh, my first event was UFC Ottawa. Derek Brunson was on the main card against Elias Theodoru. And... I had found out through an old Ariel Helwani interview that he used to be a cheerleader in either high school or college, and I wasn't going to get an exclusive, so I asked him about it during the media scrum, and he gave me this really perplexed look, and I could tell everyone else behind the camera was staring at me, being like, who is this kid, and how did he mess this question up so badly? Uh, And then Derek looked at me and was like, how do you know that? And he gave me a great answer. But there was a moment where I thought I had completely botched my first ever question out of Scrum. So. Did you did you think that, like, oh, he wasn't the cheerleader? Yeah, he like, gave me a look that was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Uh, but then he followed up. And then next time I saw him, he threatened to hit me over the head with a baseball bat. So we're good. Because of that? I, it was in jest. Derek's a good guy, too. But I've, I've got this That's thing with start. Derek now, apparently. So I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, Shane Alshadi, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's been a real treat. I really enjoyed this chat. Thanks to everyone in the live chat who engaged with us. El Jefe, I'm sorry I did not get uh, to answer your question. But very briefly, we'll just go to it. Corey Anderson, Melvin Manhoff. Is that a stupid matchup? Yes. Yeah. That's a really stupid it's, matchup. It's a ridiculous matchup. Like, I get the idea of tune-up fights, and I, I actually appreciate the idea of tune-up fights, but... that's. I mean, that's some thinly veiled tune-up yeah. <laughs> That's a death sentence. All right, there we are. Uh, Shaheen, anything you want to go out on? Anything you want people to know? Uh, no, nah. I mean, I appreciate the invite. It was fun. Uh, you're doing great work over here, man. Really appreciate uh, I really enjoy watching you and uh, seeing you come up in the game. And uh, it's a pleasure to be on. I'd be happy to come on anytime. Uh, follow me at Sean Alshadi. I can't get at Shaheen Alshadi because somebody took that a long time ago and uh, never tweets. So, Someone with uh, zero followers. Zero followers. Yeah, I think yeah. he follows zero people. It's a, uh, it's real frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll try and make it happen one day. Maybe if we put out a group effort there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, guys, that is all. As always, if you can hit subscribe, tap the notification bell. It goes such a long way. For those of you who ask about timestamps, this is live. I can't put it up now, but we'll try and get it up within the hour. Thank you to our podcast listeners. Thank you to our YouTube viewers. Uh, yeah, this has been One Two Punch. I will hit this animated intro, and we will catch you next week. Peace. Fat food. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.